Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our service this morning. We are going to continue in on 1 Timothy chapter number 5 this morning. And, um, and as we do so, we're, uh, like I said earlier, I, I really kind of went back and forth with the sermon if I continue in on chapter 5 or not. And, and the more that I looked, the more that I prayed, the more that I studied, it just it seemed to me that as we really get into it or as I was getting into it, this, uh, I think as we, as we wrap it all together, I, I pray that you'll grasp where I'm coming from and saying that what this is this morning is really the uh, answer for anything that we face within the community and the culture that we're dealing with today. Because at the bottom, at the end of the day, it really comes back to the church. And so this morning, if I, if, I think most everybody in this room would say yes and they would agree to this, but Jesus Christ, while on earth, founded one organization and that was the church. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, a verse that many people in this room could probably quote with me, but it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is the chosen channel to which the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is to flow. The church is to maintain purity and power so that it can penetrate the darkness of this world. It is our job as a church to be the light. It is our job to reveal His glory. It is our job to draw men to Himself. We are to be a model of godly virtue in an ungodly world. That's a lot of what we as a church are to be. The Lord's plan really, as he created it, if you were to go back all the way to, to the children of Israel, when, when those things were taking place, God had called certain men and he had called kings and he called priests and he called uh, prophets and he called elders and, and he called those men to, to lead men. He called those men to be models of godliness and virtue as they gave themselves to the Lord and as they, they followed the Lord, that they would lead those people in godliness and in that they would draw men to himself. To God. Tragically, and the sad, I guess you would say, reality is that they were still men. And in that, those men failed in different areas of their spiritual walk. And in so doing, they, they failed in areas of leading those people. And the, really, the bottom line comes is as they deflected the truth of God's word or the law in that day. That went from those that were in that leadership and that trickled all the way down into the people of, or the children of Israel. If we were to look today and we were to do the same thing, God has called men to, to lead and to shepherd a body of believers and to shepherd and be pastors and elders and, and, and those things in the churches in today's day and age. And the same thing has taken place 
all across our country as well, is that many who stand as pastors and leaders have deflected the biblical authority of God's word, and in so doing, they have taught and they have led a false teaching of God's word, and in doing that, that has trickled down to people, which has trickled down to a culture, which has trickled down over and over and over. And I'm not saying that all of the church is wrong and I'm not saying all of those things. This isn't a doom and gloom type of a sermon this morning. That's not, that's not at all where we're at. But the reality is many that stand having a position that I have speak God's word. And I've said this before and, and I mean this. The day that I stop doing it is the day that you ought to kick my tail out. And we'll get into that in just a few moments. But so and far too often this this morning in churches all across our great country, there's pastors that will stand and take one passage of Scripture and use it in the way and the manner in which they feel that it's to be used so it fits an ideology or it fits a thought or it fits something and they don't take it in the context of what God's word is and we have taught and we have trained and we have led many, many people away from the true foundational doctrines of God's word. And so this morning, I... I preach a sermon, or I'm coming with a, a sermon, a passage of God's Word that I'll be real honest, is, is not the most easy passage of Scripture to teach. And here's why. If you were to go to this passage in verse number 17, it says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. I'm preaching a sermon about and to myself, to you, in regards to the elders and leaders of a church. I don't know how often you've stood in front of a gathering of people and talked about yourself for 30, 40 minutes, but sometimes that's not the most easy thing to do. And that's not really, I'm not really going to stand and talk about myself this morning, but this is a sermon that is directed at the church for the elders to do what the elders are supposed to be doing, for the pastors, the leaders to do what they are called to do. And so this morning as we get into this, Paul is, is telling Timothy, is writing to Timothy to restore that biblical eldership in the church. This morning, I don't need to repeat, and nor did Paul repeat in his letter, all of the qualifications of what an elder was to be. In chapter number 3, uh, at the beginning of chapter number 3, Paul wrote and went into all of the detail of what those qualifications ought to be, and he went to that. But as we come into this morning, he says, he says a number of things. He says that we need to honor the elder, we need to protect the elder, we need to rebuke the elder, we need to be wise in selecting those. And I would say this morning that though right now maybe that doesn't make sense and how this all comes together to say, wow, what does that have to do with anything that we're facing in 2016 and and the craziness that we're facing? Because here's the reality of it. As the church leads well and stands by and stands on God's word, so the church, the body, the people lead well and do the things that God has called us to do is where we go into our world and we go into the culture that we do make the difference that we are called to make. 
But if the pastor, if the elder, if those that are to stand here are not doing those things, one, it speaks of rebuke. But at the same time, on the flip side, if you as a church are not doing what you are called to do as the church towards the elder, towards the pastor, it's just the same. And so this morning, we get into this passage of scripture in 1 Timothy chapter number 5. Starting in verse number 17, if you have a copy of God's Word, if you would open it and we'll be in 1 Timothy five seventeen. If you don't, it's on the screens. If you have a smartphone and you use the Version app, there is a live event there that goes through all of the um, Scripture references that we'll deal with today as well. And you can take notes there. But it says this in 17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before the judgment And some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand. And they that are are otherwise cannot be hid. Father God, this morning as we open your word, I pray ultimately that you would be glorified. But I pray, God, that your word would pierce our hearts, change our hearts. God, that we would be the body that you have called us to be, that you seek us out to be. Father, that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got just a few points this morning that will go relatively quickly. But my first point is, is really simple. As we go through this scripture, it says, let the elders that rule well, it says to honor an elder. So that we would honor the honor of an elder. In order to restore the eldership, There must be a proper honoring to those who serve faithfully. If we were to go throughout Scripture this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in favor for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. If we skip down to verse number 17 in Hebrews, it says this, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And this is, this is something to me that uh, really just penetrates me personally. It says, For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This morning, as I said, this isn't 
the easiest passage of scripture to read and to, to study or to teach on as a pastor sometimes as I'm looking at this and, hey, point number one, honor. But I, I'll say this and as we continue through this passage, we'll get into the different points this morning. But I would, I would say this, if you have a job this morning and you go to work tomorrow or you go to work this afternoon or this evening or whatever that is, I'm going to say it like this this morning. When your job tells you or when your boss tells you you're a piece of garbage every single day, your desire to work for that man is not as high. When your boss comes to you on a regular basis and encourages you and lets you know, thank you for what you're doing and I, I appreciate the hard work and I appreciate the hours that you spend and I appreciate these things and you feel honored and you feel respected and you feel encouraged as you go to your workplace, you work a little bit harder. A good boss knows a little bit of how to just kind of get under you enough to push you when he needs to, but to encourage you. Why? Because they want the best in return as well. There is no different here in speaking of this passage of Scripture. We as a body, you as a, as a body, however we look at this, and I, 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 it's, I mean, just being honest, I'm being, this is, it's difficult for me. We are to honor those that are serving in front of you. And it says, it says to honor an elder. It's not a matter of, of worshiping a man. It is not a matter of, of, of doing any of those things to lift a guy in front of everybody else. It's, that's not at all what God's word speaks of. As a matter of fact, if you were to really, if we were to go back and we were to study some of the things that we've already looked at, it, it speaks of those things of he's had men in front and around him, deacons and other men that are leaders and all of those things. But as we look at this, we are to honor that person, the elder. It says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. As we look at this this morning, there's qualifications for what that is. That we would, the man, the elder that would stand and care for the spiritual needs of the body. This deals specifically in this passage, let that elder that rule well, that's, that's dealing specifically with leadership and leading those that stand, making the decision, the elder that is as leading the body of Christ together, that he would do that well, that he would do that with excellence. And what's the greatest thing that God's word gives us is it already gives us what that excellence is. We did this just a short time ago, and if we were to go back again into chapter number uh, 4 and verses number 6 through 16, and I'm not going to read all those things, but it says that is speaking, and we spoke of a good servant, a good minister. It says that a good minister would be nourished in the word of God. A good minister would be, uh, have good doctrine, would be refuse wives' fables, would exercise godliness, would be an example to believers, would be an example in the word, would be an example in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That he would be a, a, a good minister, would give attention to God's word again, that it would be an exhortation, that it would be again getting, giving attention to the doctrine that a good minister wouldn't neglect the gift that God has given to him. That a good minister would not 
or that a good minister would meditate on God's word and in the doctrine. It's already given us and laid out what a, a good minister, what that excellence looks like. And here he says that we should honor that. He says that those who preach or work hard at preaching and teaching. That is one that would spend hours that would, would work hard is to work to a fatigue or work to exhaustion. That we would honor them. It says that simply that he is worthy of his reward. He is worthy of that, that wage if it is a, a financial thing there. It is to care for your elders, pastors. If we were to look at that passage, it says in verse number 18, and it takes us really back to Deuteronomy, it says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out of the corn. And this would take you back to those days of farming or whatever it would be, and you would be with the ox, and they would be rowing, and they would be or getting the corn and doing those things, and you would, you would feed the ox because that's being beneficial and helpful to you. It's the same that you would take care of the elder that's in front. You would honor those that are doing those things. God's word says that there would be an honor. But in 19, it continues on. It says, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So we need to honor our elders if we want them to lead and guide in the best manner possible. But we also must protect our elders. This goes back as far as there's ever been leadership. Joseph, Moses, David, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, all of those men, Jesus Christ himself came unto a group of people that would falsely accuse, that would ridicule, that would do all of those things to, to try and divert and to try to get people to be against the man that was leading them at that particular time. God's word says here that we should protect the elder. One of the greatest hindrances to a church or to an elder is that of being falsely accused or gossiped and murmured about. And it states here a specific, a couple specific things. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. I would say that that's pretty simple, but when that comes to your door, when that comes to your ears, you simply reject those things. When gossip comes and when, when things come, when the false accusations come, when those are the things that are being brought to you, you reject it, you, you push it away, you uh, turn a deaf ear, you do whatever that is, you ignore it, you shut it down and you deal with it immediately. And it goes on to say not only that, but it says, unless, basically, but therefore, but before two or three witnesses. Hey, if, if there is going to be that brought to our attention, if there is an issue that the, that the elder, the pastor is, is falling spiritually, is in sin, is not guiding us directly according to God's word, then where two or three are brought together, you deal with it, you investigate it, you look into it, and you handle the, hand, the, the message or the, the problem properly. The problem for all people of all times 
is that I don't like what you're doing, and so then I'm going to tell my friend Joey, and then I'm going to tell my friend Johnny, and I'm going to tell my friend uh, Justin, and I'm going to tell my friend Josh, and I don't know why they're all J's, but I'm going to tell all, I don't have that many friends with J's, but I'm going to tell all of the people that are around my circle, and I'm going to let them know this is the, the guy, and look at all the things that he's doing. God's word says not at all. When you have the problem and you have the accusation, get with two or three and handle it according to Scripture. Why? Well, if you want an honest or if you want a church that is thriving and seeking out the face of God and you want to do the things that God has called us to do as a church, then you honor the pastor and you protect the pastor or you protect the elder. Why? Because I don't know how well you work when half the people are behind you stabbing you in the back, but most don't work real well. I don't know how well you work when you go to, go to your office tomorrow or you go to your job site tomorrow and all that you get is the how horrible that you are, how horrible that you are. I've dealt with students for a long, long time, and one of the things I've heard many, many, many times from students is, I can't do anything right in my home. You know what that makes those students do? They shut down. And they will begin to do the things that their mom and dad are raising them up to do. You're an idiot. You're a fool. You can't even do this and you can't even do that. And that child before long looks and says, well, I can't do it. So why would I try to do it? Hey, it's no different inside of the church, sadly. There's nothing more difficult than going to try to do your job when you're getting royally beat down all around you. Honor the elder. Protect the elder. And you say, well, I'm not supposed to do anything. No, you take it and you do it properly. And then in verse number 19, what does it say? Or verse number 20. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. So as difficult as it is for me to stand here and say you need to honor and you need to do those things, here's just the same. Because as much as we are to do those things, we are to hold that man accountable to what he is called to do. Which is adhere and uphold the word of God. If we were to go back through all of the things in scripture that spoke of verses number 6 through uh, 16 in chapter number 4, over and over and over and over, what did it say? Be an example of what? Constantly, the doctrine of God's word, the teaching of God's word, the application the, that my life would show forth God's word. And it was over through all of those things. And if those two or three come together and say, hey, this is the accusation. And according to this accusation, here is the proof that the man is not doing what God has called him to do. And there is sin based on God's word. And he is not able to fulfill the position that God has called him to fulfill. You deal with it again, according to God's word, not according to murmur and gossip in the, in the pews. That's not what Aaron Flanagan says. That's what God's word tells us. And it says this. Before all, I'll be real honest. One of the greatest fears that I have is failing this church according to God's word. 
Leadership is not the easiest thing. Many of you in this room sit there and have had leadership in different positions in your workplace. I read a verse of scripture just a few moments ago, and it said this, For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. One day, I will stand before God and how I led this congregation. One day I will stand before God for how I watched for your soul. And one day I will be judged on that. I've watched on television. I've seen in the news. I've seen on newspapers over and over and over again. I have had friends that have left the ministry. I've seen it and it destroys. I would lie if I stood before you this morning and said, that's not something, that'll, that'll never happen to me. It's a constant fear of mine that I try my best to to align with God's word. That I do my best to honor God in what I'm doing and how I'm leading this body of believers. Because I will stand before God for each and every one of you and how I led this body. But God's word says what? That if I've failed, if I sin, if I go into that place, and not if I sin, I, I, I will sin today. I will probably sin before I leave this building, as we all will. But if I fall according to what God's word says, that I am not qualified to do this position, and you bring me before, it says all, that is you. That's a real thing. And if we're to get back to what God's word has called the elder to be and to to lead the church, then the reality of that is it's not just that you would honor me. It's not just that you would protect me. It's that you would hold me accountable according to God's word. And if need be, you would bring me up front and you would rebuke the man of God. Because that's not what I want. (laughs) That's what God's word calls us to do. So as we look at that, It is that we would then rebuke the elder. The last one this morning, as we go into verse number 21 and in the the next few verses, I charge thee before God and Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly. And again, we look at these as if we observe these things, as we look at all of the things that, that God has called, the, uh, the honoring and the, all of that, but really even going back, the, the qualifications in chapter number three, the, that the pastor or the elder would do things in a good manner in chapter number four, that as we look at those things and if we observe those things, we would not prefer one another, that we would do it by not, not with partiality. And it says that we would lay hands suddenly on no man. My last point this morning is that we with wisdom in selection. This is 
there again, it's, I, I look at the state of our church today. We're, we're not far, really. Once we get into that building, my prayer is that in a short time that we can begin to, to bring on a man of God that would be an assistant, an associate, whatever that would look like, that we would have a pastoral staff. But in our need or in my need, I can't just hastily say, you know what, I like you. You know what, I, I, we've got this. No, there has to be a qualification. There has to be a process. There has to be a vetting. There has to be all of these things because I can't hastily lay hands on somebody to say, yes, you. I'm bringing you before this congregation to find out there's other things. It can't be done too quickly. It has to be done in wisdom. It has to be done in all of these different things. And then it goes on and it says some things, some specifics. And it says, for sin, some are evident. Hey, the reality of it is, there are some that are going to walk in or there, there are some that we would look at and we'd go, oh yeah, that's very obvious. They are doing those things. He came to the meeting and he was drunk for the interview. Red flag, maybe. There's certain things that are just obvious and blatant, whether we try to make that the obvious or not, but there's certain things that in an interview process or whatever that is, but it says that sins of some are evident. When you start doing the background checks and we start doing those things and we are investigating that, we will see some of those. But then it goes on and it says, for some, it says sins will follow. Hey, we, don't, we didn't know those things. And it came in, it followed, it, it came in behind. Maybe it's during the interview process that you sense or see a specific attitude or a specific verbiage or whatever it is, but that sin then becomes apparent. It goes on and, and it says that the deeds are evident. Likewise, in verse 25, also the good works. It's just going to be obvious. Man, look at that guy is a man of God. Look, you can just sense the spirit of God in his life. It's going to be obvious those things. And then there's others, it says, that cannot be concealed. There's going to be some that are among us that we would, maybe we don't see it immediately, but as you begin to develop and as you begin to see these things and research these things, wow, that guy is... That's a man of God. It wasn't the one that just came in and was just like, boom, wow, look how awesome he is and look at those things. But it was the guy over here that's just maybe kind of a little more quiet or a little more laid back and is not as boisterous and not as whatever. And you're kind of like, man, that guy seems like a cool guy and he seems okay. But as time rolls on, you're just like, wow, look at God working his life. It was concealed. It was different things. But as we look at these things this morning, we recognize the qualifications and we see all of those things. We can't be too hasty to bring them in. And this morning as I wrap up and I come to a close. Here's to me where this sermon fits absolutely perfect with the day and age in which we live in 2016. Because if we were to take it all the way back to the beginning where I stated that in Matthew, Jesus Christ formed and founded the church. 
And God said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As we sit here this morning, if our job is to be the light into the world, if our job is to live a godly life so that others would see Christ in and through us, if our job as a church is to be something different than what everybody else out there is, if our job is to do all of those things, then the man of God, the, the elder, the pastor, whatever you want to call it, he must be honored. He must be protected. He must be rebuked if there is sin within the camp. And we must have wisdom in putting the men of God in front of us that are going to be there. You might say, well, that's kind of arrogant of you to say that you would be honored. Well, you call it arrogant. It's God's word. And if you want me to do what God has called me to do, that you have called me to be the pastor of this church, I didn't call me, you called me. If you want me to be the man of God leading this church, I need you to have my back. I need you, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant way. You take care of me. I feel loved. I need you to honor me. There is nothing worse than standing right here looking out at people's faces that I know don't have a care for me. There's nothing worse than that. It's hard. Hey, you want me to be the leader that I need to be? One, I need to grow up. I get that. I'll put big boy pants on. There's issues. There's going to have things that come up, and I'm going to have to get over those things. I got that. I need you to honor me. I need you to honor the next guy that we bring in here, and the next guy after that, and the next guy after that. I need you to honor those deacons that will stand before you and do their best to serve you. We need you to honor I need you to protect. You say that's awful arrogant. I guess it's awful arrogant, but here's what it is. It's God's word. But more than that, if we as a body of Christ want to reach the people outside of these walls, we must be together. Because here's what it is. When we aren't together, they look at us and they say they are exactly what I thought they were. Just a bunch of hypocrites and bigots. That's all you hear on the news, right? The bigots of the Christians and the hypocrites of the Christians. Listen, I get that that's part of what it is. But here's what we want to be. If I want to reach them out there, we need to be together. Because when they look at us and they look at you and they listen to you talk bad about me or they listen to you talk bad about the next person, we aren't together. We aren't unified. We're definitely not doing what Christ has called us to do. And we can't do what God's called us to do out there. And here's what I'm saying this morning. If we want to change any of the cultural things that are facing us today, it starts within the walls of the church. And the walls of the church, starting from the pastor down, need to get a hold of God's word and need to apply it to their lives and stop playing a game and do something different than what's been done over the last 50 to 100 years in these United States of America. That's when things will take a change. That's when things will be different. Can we still fight politically? Yes, it's going to happen until we're all gone. Are we going to have racial divide? It will be there until we're all gone. I hate it. But the fact of the matter is, sin is present within us and it will be here. Can we do the best that we can to make it as good as we can make it? Absolutely. 
But we do that by doing the things that God's word says for us to do as a body. And that's honor and protect and rebuke and have wisdom and leading and guiding and putting the people in front of you that are going to do those things. Church, I'll be, I have never done this. And I'm going to do this this morning. I'm going to ask for you to pray for your pastor. I've never stood before you and said, I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. I'm asking for you. I've never done those things. This, and this isn't a, I, I pray my heart comes through this. The absolute most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is stand before you. It's safe for you to honor me. It's safe for you to protect me. It's safe for you to rebuke me when I have failed and I have done the wrong thing and I am no longer qualified to be the pastor of this church. But church, I'm asking, there's been such a conviction on my life over these last several months. We've got to go outside of these walls and make a difference. We have to. We've got to begin to see people come to Christ. We've got to begin to see lives being changed. We've got to begin to get from point A to point B and make a difference. And it has to start here. It has to start here. I'm asking for you. Would you pray that I would be the leader that you need me to be? Would you pray that I would make the decisions And that the men that I have placed around me, that you have placed around me, that we would make those decisions. Would you pray and would you go to war with me? See, here's what many don't understand. And I'll be honest, I never understood until about three and a half years ago. Up until three and a half years ago, I had a job and I got to attend church. I didn't, I would never have stood before God on your behalf. See, today you guys come to church and you'll go home. And next week, if you don't want to come here because I offended you, you'll go to church number B, or letter B, I guess it is. And if you don't like them, you'll go to church letter C. And there is not one time that God will hold you accountable for that church. God will hold you accountable for your own issue. But the pastor that stands before you is held accountable. This is scary. In many regards, I'm held accountable for your spiritual walk in some ways. I'm asking. I've never done this. I'm asking that you would lift your pastor up. Not in an arrogant manner, but that I would be who I need to be for this body that I would lead in the manner that I would need to lead for this body so that we as a body would be united, that we as a body would be the hands and feet of Christ walking out these doors and making a difference and making an impact, not that this would be a cool country club place and we can high five and we can laugh and have a good time, but that we can go outside and do the work that needs to be done. I'm getting ready when I leave this morning 
me and my family are going to go on a short vacation. And when I come back, I'll just be real honest. We're getting to work. There is no more posting on Facebook and hoping people will come to church. No, we're getting into people's homes. There's people in my neighborhood that need Jesus. I met Craig two streets down yesterday. And Craig said, I've been looking for a neighbor that I could just get to know. I've been praying for neighbors that I can get to know. And I don't find it any coincidence that as I was walking yesterday morning around my neighborhood, just praying that Craig was out washing his car. And he said, hey, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. But when I get back, could we do a barbecue as our families? And I said, absolutely, praise Jesus. Let's go. We'll do this today. We have got to get up and go. I would encourage you to get up and go while I'm on vacation. I won't be here next week. That doesn't mean you don't come. I won't be here next week. That doesn't mean you don't tell friends about Jesus. Church, I'm asking and coveting your prayers. And I'm asking that we as a body would get to work doing just what God's word has called us to do today. Because if we want to see difference outside of these walls, it starts here. Because if we can't do it in here, we're not doing it out there. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.